Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Full Go presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. What's up, gentlemen? Howdy. How y'all doing? Good. Looking spiffy today. Yeah, man. You know, just had to switch it up a little bit. Went through the bow tie on. Missed uh, all the foolishness that's been going on over the last <laughs> few days. I don't know if that was the uh, the the best move optic wise for me, but who gives a damn, right? What y'all gonna do to me, huh? Uh, what's what's gonna happen to me out here? Tony Gill, Jesse Lopez. What, what's the worst that could happen to me? And, I mean, but don't answer that. Don't don't answer that. What uh, what episode is this? One seventy four. Oh, shout out to episode one seventy four of the Full Go podcast. The fellas are uh, looking at me now in the Zoom because if you're listening to this on was it Tuesday morning or mo- Monday, Monday morning. morning? Yeah, if you're listening to this on Monday I mean, it morning, it could be Tuesday morning. Too. It could be too. Hey, run it back until you know you Tuesday's go. episode comes out. But if you're listening to this on Monday morning then you won't get the reference really, right? But if you're listening to this Sunday night shortly after the Bulls game, you know what the hell they're talking about. I am wearing a bow tie because I whipped out the bow tie today. Um, It is a chore trying to tie this thing. Here's a little inside information here. Every time I tie a tie, fellas, I have to watch a YouTube clip because for whatever reason, I can't keep that information in my head. 
And I can't even do a period, so I don't think think that's outrageous. <laughs> whenever y'all see me without a tie, it's just because the Wi-Fi was down or I didn't have time to sit here and fumble over and over and over with it again. This has happened to me in several moments in my life. I've been taught how to play poker four different times for four different charity events. And each time, it has left my brain the moment I walked out of that poker event. The moment, right? And I think the last time I did so, uh, I was in a tournament with Chris Zorch. And uh, <laughs> that, was, that was a while ago. That was, that was when people were still invite, inviting Chris Zorch uh, out to uh, poker events. But yeah, man. Yeah, so I got the bow tie on. I got all the jokes, all the jokes today at work, you know? It's, it's a two Americas thing, by the way, because, you know, people were running around the gig like, oh, look at you. You look like you're uh, going to a Kentucky Derby. And then other people, <laughs> people of my persuasion were like, oh, man, you know, assalamu alaikum. I didn't I did not know that, that the conversion is was complete. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, man, you know, Kyrie took me over the top. I was I was listening to what the brother had to say. And, you know, after the apology, I felt like I should just jump in, you know? No, nah, no, nah, man. Shout out to uh, all my, uh, <laughs> all my uh, NOI folks. Shout out to the fruit <laughs> of Islam. Shout out to anybody who I would catch in the street who would bring smoke to me. I don't want any of that. Uh, I love y'all. Every time as a kid that I got off at 87th and Dan Ryan, I would ask my mom to buy one of the bean pies, you know, like, listen, I am out here. I am supportive. I'm just trying to spread love. Please don't take my fashion choices as, um, you know, directions. You know, I don't, I don't want anybody to do that. You know, tonight is a night. And if you're listening on Monday morning, today is a day, but I'm not about to sit here and be sad on this podcast today. I know, I know, you got a couple of L's as as winter sports fans here in the city of Chicago, but not me. Mm-mm. I am not about to sit here and do the foolishness that I have seen done on the timeline, uh, out in the streets. Uh, ran into somebody right before I walked into the office. They was damn near crying about what they saw in the Bears game. Little did they know that they would watch a Bulls game that, that the team didn't give a damn either. <laughs> because, my God. Before we get to the Bears, let me say this right here, right now. When you raise that bar of expectations, be prepared. Be prepared. Standing pat and continuity are all great things. They all sound awesome in the offseason. But when you get to this point where you're so many games into the season and you're trying to figure out who you are and what you are, and some of these other teams have gotten that, you know, offseason rust off of them. Guys are getting healthier by playing more basketball. And, of course, you know, the, we could talk about the Bulls' Uh, health issues, no Kobe White. Uh, Andre Drummond still has a shoulder that's bothering me, you can tell. Um, of course, Lonzo Ball is not on the court. But this team has played without injuries for, I mean, sorry, I should say with injuries for a while. They played with injuries for a while. They, they know that 1 through 11, you might get 20 minutes tonight. So I don't want to hear that when it comes to this specific conversation that we're getting ready to have. There is no excuse. None for the Chicago Bulls to come out with a lack of energy. The Chicago Bulls can lose a game because they got outgunned from the three. The Chicago Bulls can lose a game because maybe physically, you know, their reliance on a lot of young players might leave them at a, uh, at a deficit when it comes to some of these stronger, more physical, more um, 
you know, heavy teams, like low-key, like just straight heavy. We talked about the Bucks and how their three best players are some of the strongest cats at their position in the league. And Giannis, Chris Middleton, and Drew Holiday. That can be an excuse every once in a while. But coming out the way that they came out after having a few days off, after uh, all that talk about how tough the schedule was, especially in the beginning of the season with, you know, back-to-backs, three games and five nights a couple of times, like the things that happened early on in this season for the Bulls. You know, I'm not, I, you know what I've become? I've become a, uh, a parent sports watcher, right? Like, I became a parent five years ago. But now I'm becoming a parent sports watcher where it's like, I ain't going to make no excuses for this damn team. And then when I get by my lonely, I'm like, yeah, but, you know, they are. They are having a tough time of it, you know, because my parents used to never make any excuses for me. I'll never forget. Tony, Jesse, I walked in to my sister's parent teacher conference her freshman year in high school, freshman year in high school with my mom. Right. My, my dad might have been out of town or something. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'll go with you because, you know, you go back and check in on the old school. You're like, oh, look at this hallway. Look how small the lockers are. Look how much of an adult I am. Ah, oh, Shana, how's your report card, right? We walk into that joint and, you know, it's freshman year, the adjustment process, whatever the case may be. You know, Shana didn't come home with all A's, you know, in a, in a foreigner household. That is, hey, we didn't come to this country for you to fuck around. <laughs> that, that, that's pretty much that's pretty much how my parents laid down the law, right? Like, we didn't come here <laughs> and have to deal with all the bullshit that foreign people have to deal with in this country for you to come out here and act a fool in these people's classrooms. Don't worry, I heard this myself. So I was just like, oh, man. It's going to be tough out here once we leave this parent-teacher conference. Not that she was out here doing anything, you know, terribly wrong, right? But, you know, you got that adjustment period. Do you know we walked to the car and my mother, I will never forget this as long as I live. My mother looked at my sister and was like, yeah. And the teachers that Jason got was way harder on him than they are on you. And I lost it inside because I would never lose it on my mom. But I lost it inside like, you mean to tell me for four years (laughs) I was sitting here telling you how these teachers was treating me and how hard they were on me and you gave me no quarter. You sat there and looked at my face and said you had one job and that was to get good grades. And I said, man, I'm being taught by tyrants out here. And you gave me no room. And then now, 10 years later, I, I waltz my black ass into this school and you got the nerve to say these teachers were hard on me? That's what I've become. I've become a parent sports watcher where I'm like, yeah, you know what? Don't matter. Don't matter that Kobe White's out. Don't matter that Alonzo Ball is out. Don't matter that Zach is is fresh off of an offseason where he didn't play any basketball because he was rehabbing that knee. Don't matter at all. Shouldn't change how you perform. Shouldn't change the energy and the effort that your energy and effort are a choice. Bottom line. And if you don't want to make that choice, Go get your ass on the bench and let somebody else get in there that want to play. Problem is tonight, they went up against a Denver Nuggets team that I know we've, you know, last couple of years danced around like, oh, maybe the Nuggets might be a finals contender. No, no, no. That team tonight was as sharp a team. You know, when when teams tell you that they're finals and championship contenders is when they put teams away early on in the season in a game that, eh, you know, this is the 12th, 13th game of the season. Could be one of 82 because that's what the average teams like to do is write them off as, oh, one of 82. Good teams do that maybe two or three times a year. Average teams do that 10, 9, 8 times a year. 
And that's why they're average. Not saying that the Bulls are doing this, but what I'm saying is that team came in there tonight. They came to the United Center tonight at, at your crib with the two-time MVP, with Michael Porter Jr., who Bulls fans were salivating about years ago when the back issues popped up and, the, and Bulls fans thought, hey, hey, this might be, this might be a blessing in disguise. This is a six foot ten, you know, number one overall prospect. Went to Mizzou. Shout out to all my Mizzou people out there. My man Joe, Mike B, Kobe. You know, shout out to my guys who are Mizzou Tigers. Uh, the the hate that the Mizzou Tigers fans have for Kansas is is hilarious, hilarious. Like today, I posted something to the group chat. The Kansas Jayhawks got a kid named Grady Dick, and Ladies and gentlemen, the name fits like this dude. You know what? He's a floppy-haired, swaggerlicious ass white boy who is out here knocking shots down and letting you know about it. Like I don't know if it's JJ Reddick level coming up here, but I pray that it is, just so that my Mizzou Tiger fan friends out there can get a little, you know, have a little discomfort, especially in that conference. But yeah, Michael Porter Jr. out of Mizzou back issues. A lot of Bulls fans wanted him, right? Like you were very aware who was coming to the crib. You were very aware. It was this ain't this ain't okay. We we got snuck up on by the San Antonio Spurs, right? That loss was. Uh, low-key inexcusable. Oh, wait a minute. The Charlotte Hornets come in here and all of a sudden we out here playing a tough game in the end. No, no, no. This ain't the Pacers with their tough young backcourt. This ain't, you know, a, a, a Nets team that's in disarray. This is the back-to-back MVP. This is Jamal Murray back, like back, back, like Jamal Murray is back. They got three guys on that Denver Nuggets squad that would be the best players on probably, what, 24, 23 teams in the NBA? Including the Bulls. Hey, man. Hey, man. Now you're talking that shit, Tony. Let's go. I see it at Tony's. Oh, weeds. You see him, Jesse? You got a fresh, you got a fresh beard lined up too, boy. You got a fresh sheet. He is, Tony is out here. He got his keep that same energy hoodie on. He got his I just got married specs on. Yeah, I see you. I see you, including the Bulls, huh, Tony? So you saying DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine aren't better than Jamal Murray? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why so? Why why? <laughs> why so? Uh, why so direct and and, and such a stern uh, reply, Tony Gill? What did you see tonight? Because all I saw was a team that was like, "Oh, y'all ain't ready to play." Oh, bet. Let me let, let's get them the fuck out of here as quickly as possible. Let's let's end their night. That man had twelve assists in the first half. The Bulls had eleven. Nikola Jokic dominated a basketball game tonight with eight points, eight points. And I think it's kind of one of those, hey, <laughs> wake up. You ain't got to be the leading scorer on the team to be the best player on the court. Michael Porter Jr. came out there and gave him the business early on. Was it 15 in the first quarter? Set the tone. That game was never, ever in doubt. So for Zach Levine to say what he did at the end of the game, I commend him. I commend him because he is speaking through his coach. He is speaking through, you know, the rest of that team. You know, he said they didn't have enough energy. They didn't have enough effort. The problem that the me commending him will stop here, though. The problem that I have is, how is that the case? Like, how is that possible two days off? 
three days off. There's nothing else that you guys had to do besides get ready to play the Denver Nuggets. Like, we're taking a look here. This team is two games under 500. So if we were out here ringing the bells last year for the start that they got off to, what bells should you be ringing with the start that they've gotten off to now? And I know Lonzo Ball is a big, big part of this thing. But come on, y'all. Like, the basketball that they're playing is a little clunky. Um, The defense that they're playing, I don't know how sustainable it is. I hope it is, right? But then you get 123 put on you. Their net rating, last I looked, was, I think, seventh, something like that on defense. So the deflections and them getting out and running, that's the key. Because offensively, this thing, you know, I'm getting to the point where I'm going to scream for Ayo Desumu and Goran Dragic to handle the basketball more, to take some of the load off of DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine. And I'm talking about forcibly or, or suggestively. Like, letting the defense know that DeMar DeRozan has the ball off of an inbound. I, and I don't want to know what the usage rate is. I, I'll, I'll look this up and, and, and bring it back to you on Tuesday's pod. You know, we, we're sitting here you know, immediately after a game running into this office and getting our thoughts off. But man, I, something has to change. If Vooch is not going to be in the post as much as people are clamoring for him to be in the post, then you have to make do somewhere else. And Ayo Desumu has become a reliable three-point shooter. Uh, Pat Williams tonight started off good, started off playing well, started off playing aggressively, but it tapered off throughout the game. And by the time, you know, let's face it, by the time you looked up, the Bulls were trailing, Bulls were chasing. So what are you going to do? Um, just can't have it. Just can't have it. I'm not going to go in, right, because, like, it's still early in the season, and I promised myself I was going to be ecstatic about tonight's podcast. You're not going to anger me. I saw some beautiful basketball get played tonight. <laughs> it wasn't by the Bulls. Okay, that Denver Nuggets team, if they can get their defense together, and a lot of it has to do, obviously, with their best player. Like, if you ask me, the formula has always remained the same. You want to show me a championship contender? Show me the best players on your team and what they do defensively. And if you have a team that has average to above average defenders, you're going to get above average to average results. If you have a team whose best players, one through three or so, you got two of those three guys who can step their level up, defend adequately enough, if not start shutting people down or make people's lives a little bit tougher in the playoffs, then then you're cooking with gas. And defensively, the Bulls have played well as a unit, right? But there's still so much, still so much left to be desired uh, when it comes to some of these individual matchups. Like, if you can get a ball to Michael Porter Jr. at 6'10 and say, go go get at Patrick Woods, or on any switch, go get at Zach Levine, or go get at uh, DeMar DeRozan, they pose a lot of trouble. They pose a lot of problems. And then, you know, ever since the Donovan Mitchell-Jamal Murray game, my not just thought of Jamal Murray raised exponentially, it was the importance of Jamal Murray. At, at Kentucky, Jamal Murray was a, a terrific player, right? But Kentucky usually 
because of the the glut of talent, pro talent that they have, guys usually poke their head out in the NBA and like, oh, okay, all right, all right. And then some guys don't. You know, I'm looking at you, Trey Lyles. I, I, you couldn't tell me Trey Lyles wasn't about to be somebody's outstanding stretch four for years to come, right? I mean, shout out to Trey Lyles. He had himself a nice, long NBA career. But, yeah, this, this team, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and, of course, Nikola Jokic, and then you throw in some of these other guys, like Bones Highland can carry them in, in, for stretches when guys are on the bench. Um, I do think that their bench is a little skept, uh, suspect. I, I do think they're counting on, you know, Jeff Green. Shout out to Uncle Jeff. But, you know, <laughs> they they got some guys who are long in the tooth, you know. They, they got some things that they have to kind of fine-tune on that bench. And if they go out and make a move during, a, you know, around the trade deadline to bolster that bench, I wouldn't be surprised. but. That's a team that is going to vie for an NBA championship. You got about a good six or seven teams that would have, I would have no problem saying, yeah, that's a championship team. The Denver Nuggets are one of those squads. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, anytime you mention Nikola Jokic, you got to mention uh, the other guy because there's always conversations. And that's Tony's guy. The, the other guy had one of the greatest stat lines in NBA history tonight. Um, Joel Embiid is just... <laughs> Was it 59, 11, 8, 7? And that 7 being blocks. <laughs> like, you, you know, Darius Garland out here like, hey, man, I scored 51. What, what the fuck? Like, is that, it's, not, it's not my night? <laughs> you know, to, be, to be the second highlight on the night that you scored 51 on NBA TV is wild. That's crazy. But Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, didn't stand pat. <laughs> Hell, the Philadelphia 76ers didn't stand pat. You got it. You got it. Move things around. And, and the Bulls have locked themselves into some contracts that we are going to be examining for years to come, for years to come. They've locked themselves into some draft picks who they're still trying to figure out what they are in Kobe White and Patrick Williams. Kobe's been out now for uh, a week and a half straight with that thigh injury that, for whatever reason, isn't getting uh, – it's not healing as fast as – I thought it would heal. Um, I didn't think that they thought he would be out this long, but who knows? Um, and the thing that you're seeing now, too, is that this this team desperately needs a third person who to, to say, I'm going to go get some points. I'm going to go get some offense because you could see that there was an emphasis in ball movement at the beginning of this Denver Nuggets game. But, you know, just like with fatigue, um, when you're working out, you could have the perfect form those first couple reps. But, you know, that third, fourth set creep in on you, you start to do some things that, you know, fatigue, fatigue makes cowards out of us all, but it also shows uh, what your nature is. And I'm not saying the Bulls are tired, but what I'm saying is once you start to get into a flow of a game and then that panic sets in because you're down by so much, you revert back to who you truly are whether it be a solid defensive team or a team that's like, all right, we're going to set screens and just beat the hell out of people for the next quarter, or a team that gets into isolation basketball. And I think that's, what, that's the case. I think that's the code that has to be cracked by Billy Donovan. And like I keep saying, you know, there's a lot of storylines here. A lot of guys playing for dough. <laughs> Nikola Vucevic is one of them, and Billy Donovan is also one as well because you don't want to go into your final year as a lame duck head coach. And this is the third year of a four-year deal. So um, Billy's got some things to figure out. 
Uh, Zach Levine intimated that the, the effort and energy wasn't there. It's only so many times you can press that button in a real town. It's only so many times you can press that button around real reporters and real insiders and people who have the pulse of the squad. So um, looking forward to seeing what's next because that was not it tonight. But hey, I'm still happy. Time for some commercials. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the kick is good for the win. Fade to black. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. You know why I'm happy, Tony Gill? You know why I'm happy, Jesse Lopez? Because every once in a while, your boy gets one right. Every once in a while. Yeah, I'm the guy that thought Keith Van Horn would be better than Tim Duncan. I'm the guy, I'm the guy that, that has had so many. And shout out to FanDuel Sportsbook. At this point, your, your best bet would be to go against me for a little while. You know, whatever whatever I give y'all at the end of the beginning of these pods, just go against it until I get on a little bit of a roll. But every once in a while, your boy touches on something. And I said, during the draft process, and I still could be wrong, but I'm feeling better about this prediction. I said that the best quarterback in this draft will be Justin Fields. And boy, was I sweating for about a, a year and about, uh, was this, game game nine, game 10? <laughs> about a year and six games. I was sweating my ass off about, ooh-wee, hopefully that's one that just disappears. You know, sometimes you say things and you just hope it floats off, and then you get that one uh, egg Twitter follower who's like, I remember when you said this four years ago because I ain't got no damn life, and I, I look forward to persecuting all media in this town. Well, guess what, y'all? Don't know if y'all been watching, right? I know you've been watching, but I got to set it up like this. Don't know if y'all been watching. But Justin Fields is the fucking man. And I understand. These things that, that are happening, that are pissing Bears fans off at the end of these games, this is all I asked for at the beginning of the year. This is all we asked for at the beginning of the year. Treat this young man like he's a young man. One. Like he's got some kind of discernment when it comes to running. Two, allow him to use his legs. And three, until, you, until help comes, until the cavalry comes, let him taste some success offensively. And what have they done? This man over the last four games has rushed for more yards on design runs, not just scrambles, more yards on design runs than any quarterback in NFL history. Okay, that's a fact. Also, I think I, I read uh, this is the first time in NFL history that a team scored 30-plus points in three straight games and lost all three straight games. So um, that also is a fact. And that also is something that we kind of knew what was going to happen, right? Like uh, a couple of weeks ago, we was like, hey, bad down the hatches. <laughs> Roquan Smith and, and Robert Quinn aren't there anymore. These fellas feel like they lost a big brother, an uncle, a dad, all those things in one. Let's see how long they lick their wounds. And boy, when this, when this game started and the way it started and like, oh, this because there's always a Bears game on the schedule where you're like, oh, this is going to be one of those slogs. And usually there's about three or four of those games for Bears fans. Fans, right? This game looked like it was going to be one of those slogs. You got Dan Campbell over there. You know, he wearing the headset the wrong way. You know, he, he out here looking at Jeff Saturday like, hey, man, good luck. <laughs> I've been I've been doing this for a while. <laughs> and, and I know, trust me, I know he was the interim head coach in Miami. He's had assistant coaching 
uh, tenure before before he got the Detroit job. I know we just have a little fun here, but yeah, they had to win a road game in his tenure at head coach of the Detroit Lions. They marched their happy asses in here and sneak one out. Because of Cairo Santos, because of Justin Fields not throwing the damn ball away, and because that defense is ass. Like, remember what I said last pod where I'm like, hey, Allen Williams, Matt Eberflus, hey, if y'all can coach this defense up, it'll be a a feather in your cap. It'll be y'all looking like the coaches that y'all say y'all are. Boy, that that fourth quarter, at the end of the third and that fourth quarter rolled around, the defense was like, hey, bad defense? Everybody raised their hands. Present and accounted for. We are here to allow DeAndre Swift. By the way, what the hell are the Lions doing? Giving the ball, and shout out to Northwestern's finest, Justin Jackson. What the hell are the Lions doing giving the ball to Justin Jackson as much as they did? And DeAndre Swift is back there like, hey, uh, I'm as talented as maybe the top third of the running backs in this league. Give me the ball. Like, the Detroit Lions are not a good football team, obviously, by their record. This is one of those games where I'm like, uh, and I'll get into this a little bit later in the segment about, you know, the things that Bears fans are out here saying. but. Man, the dude killed a person on the goal line. Like, at, at, at the goal line, Justin Fields lowered his head and ran over and knocked out a linebacker, okay? This man's moments running the football are something to behold. And I, you get all the people with the Oakleys, and the American flag avatars and, you know, the, the dudes who are out here taking pictures of their dogs and saying, this is me. You know, those people, the, the, the frog uh, uh, avatars, um, the, the anime avatar, y'all know who I'm talking about. Y'all can't wait to call this man a running back. Oh, well, you can't complete a pass. He's a, he's a running back. You can't win like that in the NFL. I would give that credence if we were talking about someone like Tommy Frazier right? From Nebraska fame, right? If we're talking about some triple option quarterback who the Bears drafted is like, oh, you're going to have to teach his ass how to throw the football. This man played in two pro-style systems, one more traditional than the other in Georgia, and then Ryan Day, who is, you know, that resembles more of what the NFL is right now in terms of the passing game. If I didn't see it at Ohio State, I would be under the same presumptuous attitude of, oh, well, you know, he can't throw the football. He could throw the football. It's just about decision-making, the processing, you know, that, that machine, that processor, that microchip that we talked about earlier in the year. You could see that it sped up a little bit. You could see the progress that he's made. So right now, with all the running that Justin Fields is being forced to do. And by the way, beautiful play call by Luke Getze to get Cole Komet open, even if he wasn't butt naked wide open because two Detroit Lions decided to uh, take the, the, the intermediate man instead of taking the deepest man. And it seemed to me like the cornerback was carrying Cole Komet to a certain point and the safety bit on the, the intermediate route. You got a wide open guy, but the, the, the play call was beautiful and it was set up because Justin Fields has been running the way he's been running. They had nine guys in a box in a, in a short yardage situation. They were trying their, they were selling out to stop the run. And in that moment, Luke Getze dialed up a terrific play call that worst case scenario, 
gets you a one-on-one jump ball situation with a big target in Cole Komet and a safety for the Detroit Lions who's have, who have one of the worst pass defenses in the league. So I'm not mad at any of that. And of course, the, the play turned out to be, you know, a terrific play, a touchdown play, five touchdowns in the last three games for Cole Komet. I'm looking forward to seeing that uh, relationship develop. But yeah, man, one pass completion for six yards in the fourth quarter, there's still things to evaluate. But we're here, y'all. Like, we're here. We're here now. The beginning of the season, we were asking a lot of questions, and rightfully, hell, I was asking a lot of questions, rightfully so, of like, okay, guys, like, what's what's happening here with this guy? Like, I still believe in him, but I'm seeing some things that I don't like. The trend wasn't going in the direction that a Bears fan should enjoy. But I don't see how in this last three or four games, yeah, certain things, as he said, even in his press conference, certain things that you expect out of a rookie quarterback, you just hope don't get uh, replicated. That's been happening with Justin Fields. Like, the screen pass that, that, that turned into a pick six because, once again, he's trying to do too much. You hope at some point he realizes, I don't have to do that much. You can throw the ball at the, the running back's feet on a screen pass. We ain't, this ain't Madden. There ain't no other route. <laughs> the go route ain't for you. And especially when your mechanics and your foundation, because you're, you're, you're your back pedal and your drop isn't the same as when you got a standard drop back. Like, your feet aren't where they're supposed to be. That's why you throw the football away. That's something that I think he'll learn from. If, if it costs the Bears a game in this situation, then good. Because the evaluation of that and his demeanor will lead to the correction being made. And that's another thing, too. Remember we talked about humility in the last pod? The way he even talked about that play. He said it's going to never happen again in his career. It's never going to happen to me again in my career. The, all this, you know, don't let success get to you that, that these writers and everybody around the city was getting ready to talk about. This. Nah, hell no. Nah. Let the success get to you. Start acting like the rest of the, the, the glamour boy position players in this league. Start moving around that building like, yeah, that ain't going to happen again because I'm that dude. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm with it. Own up to your mistakes and tell people what's not going to happen because that's good pressure. That's the pressure that I want my franchise quarterback to put himself under because he knows how he's going to perform. And yes, I do think that they're still out there throwing to special teamers. Hey, by the way, uh, how that how that second round price tag look uh, today against Detroit? Huh? How, what did what did what did your man Chase Claypool number ten do now? By the way, this isn't any shade to Chase Claypool. This is more so shade to all the fans out there who got on me because I said that it was a little bit of a steep price to pay, but an upgrade at the position, which is, you know, you could have both things. But, uh, I, you know, I, I haven't looked at a box score since, you know, around four o'clock or so. But how did, did, did Chase, Chase go off for, you know, seven catches, 100, 120 yards after the week of practice that he had, the install? Did that happen against one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL? Did that happen? Hmm? Okay, I'm just checking. By the way, I also said this, Aiden Hutchinson, hey man, that back, as good as he was in pass, pass rushing downs, that backside um, run play that he blew up, like that's what tells me a defensive end or an edge rusher is truly engaged. Like, that dude is going to be a play. They got some, I mean, they've been drafting high for years. 
right? So they got some talent. Jeff Okuda makes a big play. First pick six for the Lions in, in, in four years. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson out there wreaking havoc. The, the offensive line took a step back this week as well. And it's okay to say that, right? They, they, they might be good at, uh, you know, with white hair. I'm talking about future, you know, long term. It might be good with white hair. It might be decent at the center position. But, you know, guard and tackle, right tackle, they definitely need. And Braxton Jones didn't have the greatest of games today, right, for, for a position that he was put in. I would say left tackle, fifth-round pick. I don't mean to harp on it, but he's, he's had some up-and-down moments. The last three weeks, they've been terrific in the run game. But this week, even with the run game, like there was more yards out there for Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery to get. And it's an interesting situation that's happening with those two dudes here as well, because it went from spot play about a month ago to, oh, okay, he's going to get more touches than you. And if Khalil Herbert can ever get his pass protection assignments and effort and execution down, the, the end of the season, we might see Khalil Herbert you know, going two to one on David Montgomery touches. But pass pro and some other little things, you know, those are the things that David Montgomery is just simply better at right now. And especially with that quarterback and what the future has to be, yeah, pass pro is definitely important. Now, by the way, the the 60-plus the, the yard run, like, the dude has hit 20 miles an hour now nine times. <laughs> this season. I believe the rest of the league has done it like seven times, right? Something crazy like that. I saw that next-gen stat today. I might be butchering it, but he's fast and he's big as hell. Like Justin Fields, I, the, the thing that I don't worry about is the throwing the ballpark, if that makes any sense. Because once this team gets the offensive line resources that they need, and once this team rounds out that wide receiver room, I think you're seeing a special talent the beginning stages of it. Right. Anytime you see a special talent, you're going to see the bumps and bruises that a young special talent is supposed to take. And I think he's taken those and continues to take those. But nah, man, I, I am not on this wave of, yeah, the Bears don't have a quarterback still because all they do is run the ball with them. Nah, that ain't it. <laughs> you're watching a different game for me. And speaking of watching a different game. You know. This whole lose, but play well in it thing. I know I know where, where it comes from. Hell, you know, I was I, I was actually one of the peddlers of this, you know, in uh, the early aughts at the radio station that I worked at previously. And the whole dynamic of tank, 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 lose, 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 get the higher draft pick, put better players on the team. I got it. And I, and I do get it every once in a while. I understand the sentiment. But as a fan, that shit ain't fun. That's a team you're supposed to beat. And also, in my withdrawal or removal, whatever you want to call it, from that environment, you know, I've, I've been able to talk to and be around and converse with more people who have been in the mix in these buildings whether it be players that I've um, hosted with or just talked to on the phone via the ringer or my time at you know, ESPN radio or anything that I've done after my time at 670 to score. When you work that hard, 
week to week and you don't get the payoff, that shit can build a losing culture in your team as well. Where, man, I'm going out here busting my ass and I know we're not, I know we're not good, but games against teams you're supposed to be, that draft pick be damned. And I say that to say this, tanking, you know, the dynamic of tanking and the phenomenon of tanking, like, I, I would love to see what the numbers bear witness to because when I was a proponent of tanking the way people are still a proponent of tanking, whether it be in basketball and football, and they're two totally different dynamics. Trust me, I understand that. But when multiple teams are trying to tank, then it's it's not always in your best interest to do so. You know, we've seen that in the NBA multiple times, right? Shout out to the New York Knicks where they're sitting on the outside and they're like, oh, yay, R.J. Barrett. Right? And Zion is going here. This guy's going there. But in football, explain to me. Explain to me this whole tank win thing where your team plays well, you find out information about your squad, but you get a loss, so that moves you up the ladder or in, in the draft order. Explain that to me when you already have your quarterback. Explain that to me. Because People who tank in the NBA or teams or organizations, GMs, front offices that tank in the NBA, they're doing it because they're trying to get the best player in the draft. Because the best player on an NBA team can propel you to heights that you hadn't seen before. Tanking for LeBron James, tanking for Carmelo Anthony, tanking for this guy, tanking for that guy, I dig it. I can understand. Tanking for Zion because there's five guys on the court. It changes your culture. If you get the right guy, you can go on, you know, a 10-year run where you're going to have a certain amount of success because that guy is on the court. In football, in football, and I want to be clear with this, tell me the teams who have tanked multiple years because that's what it seems like people want, Right? Some of the teams that have done that multiple years who have then bounced back because of all these draft picks that they have amassed that are now ready to ride in the NFL. Hell, look at the current landscape. Who are the best teams in the NFL right now? Tony, Jesse, who would you say right now, uh, are, are, if you had to give me a, a top two or three, who would they be? Especially after that Minnesota Vikings game against the Buffalo Bills. By the way, this is going to be the I told you I was right pod. All damn pod. I told y'all the Vikings was going to win this shitty division. And the fact that they went out and beat a, you know, a hurt uh, Buffalo Bills team, still, the Buffalo Bills, it means something. But tell me who y'all think the top two or three teams are in the NFL right now. Chiefs. Chiefs? Okay. Uh, Eagles. Eagles? Mm-hmm. That's about us. Right? Right, 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 right. Yeah, because the NFL's been asked this year. So then there's a drop-off, right? Which one of those teams tanked? Which one of those teams is like, man, (laughs) we got to lose as many games as possible so we can get higher draft picks? What I'm trying to get at is high drafting isn't as valuable as good drafting, as proper drafting. The Pittsburgh Steelers have been running around this fucking league for 20-some-odd years, right? Of sustained success. Now they got Kenny Pickett in them boys, right? They didn't tank for him, okay? So that doesn't apply. But you look at the draft picks. They draft well. 
So if Ryan Poles is the man, like y'all telling me he is, and we'll see, right? Because he's only got one offseason and one draft. It's hard to, 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 to put a profile together yet of how he's going to treat offseasons. But if Ryan Poles is the man and you got all these damn draft picks, these tank wins that you call them, so, so you're going to go from what? The eighth pick in the draft to the fourth pick in the draft? Okay. Well, if we're talking wide receiver, show me the teams that have tanked to get the wide receiver that they need. And you've been like, aha, they got it now. They got it now. The Buffalo Bills are running around with Stephon Diggs, who is one of the best receivers in the game. Right? Fifth round pick out of Maryland. And yes, there are some first rounders who are out here killing it. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase when he's healthy. Which one of those teams tank to get those guys? Good drafting is better than high drafting. And yes, you get, you get more shots and, 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 and a better shot at a better player. I can understand that. But you see what happened on Sunday in the Las Vegas-Indianapolis game? By the way, <laughs> by the way, you, you can't tell me shit about NFL coaching anymore. The, the man walked off the studio desk and put a headset on that he wasn't talking to damn near the whole game and beat the Las Vegas Raiders who spent money to go out and get Devontae Adams, who spent capital on going out and getting Josh McDaniels and got beat by a team with a coach who was just talking about fantasy football and, and on get up, you know, three, four days ago. But the tank part, you look at the Raiders. They traded all those draft picks. They, I'm sorry, they received all those draft picks for Khalil Mack. What'd they do with it? They drafted poorly. They got a couple of guys who they don't even want to re-sign in Jacobs and Abrams. And I don't know if y'all have seen them because I sure haven't. What's the last thing that Cleveland Farrell has done in a, on an NFL field? So I say that to say this. I, I mean, to be fair, they had to do go to prison. That's part of it, right? Yeah. I mean, okay. I'm just making sure. I'm just making yeah. I'm just I'm just making sure that that's got to be part of it. No, that, that is a draft pick unfulfilled. Am I wrong? All right. So you give me the Baltimore Ravens. You give me the Pittsburgh Steelers. You give me the teams that have had success throughout the years. It's because they drafted well. One because they had high picks all the time. What was Ray Lewis? What was Terrell Suggs? What was, you know, Ed Reed? Who was like at the Rams pick. last year. They won the Super Bowl and they haven't had a first-round pick in like 20 come, years. Come on, dog. Aaron Donald is the greatest, arguably the greatest defensive player of all time. He got taken at what, 11? Like, I'm not saying you don't want to be up there high, but this race to tank in football, yeah, man, the Cleveland Browns have had a shitload of high picks over the last five, six years. What has that gotten them? Like, Dolphins. I, I don't know. Right, exactly. But I'm talking about in terms of success. What has it gotten them? So maybe I'm watching a different NFL than everybody. But when it comes to beating teams that you are better than you should be, I think there's more in the culture of that for your building than going out there and being happy that your favorite team is losing fucking football games so you can get a higher pick as if you don't trust the drafter that is Ryan Poles or whoever the hell is at, at, the, at the, the helm of your uh, front office. Like, nah, man. I, I understand. 
you want a higher draft pick. But this whole, ah, he played well and they lost. The best case scenario. Well, at some point, you're going to have to build some kind of culture of winning or you else, or else you're going to keep doing the same shit over and over with better players. Like, for instance, the penalties that plague this team today, inexcusable, inexcusable. You can't be both bad and undisciplined. You might as well be the Raiders then. You might as well be the Raiders. You might as well be these teams that, that fight, get personal fouls, do all the dumb shit. You know what I mean? Like the Kyler Gordon, and, and this is the other thing too, the refs did not have a good game. They did not have a good game in the Lions-Bears game at all. You know, apparently pass interferences don't get called for the Bears and they get called on the Bears these last couple of weeks, but so be it. Play over it. What you going to do? Jalen Johnson had one of his worst games, I think, as a Bear. But if he's hurt, then he shouldn't be out there. Like, we talk a lot about culture and it's a buzzword. And these coaches get hired for mentioning the word culture. But in the end, what kind of culture are you really instilling if you're out here like, all right, yeah, we played well, but, you know, at least we lost so we can get a higher draft pick. I know they're not saying that, but as a fan, that shit ain't fun for me. <laughs> like, like, I'd rather you win as many games as possible and then go draft a good player. <laughs> go draft a franchise because it's football. You can get the franchise changer in the middle of the first round. You can get a Hall of Famer at the end of the first round. And the most important part of this argument to me is you've already got your quarterback. We're not talking about the Carolina Panthers throwing P.J. Walker in there and my man Steve Wilkes, who is becoming the permanent interim coach. You know, you want, hey, you want to put all your problems on a brother for, for about eight, nine, ten weeks? Call up Steve Wilkes. He'll be, he'll be right there for you to not hire so you can go and get somebody out of TV booth that has never done it before. If you're searching for a quarterback, then I get it. But when you already have your quarterback, what is this foolishness? Like, what are we doing here? It, I, I think it's this the 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 common, you know, archaic trope of, hey, this is what you should do. You should lose as many games as possible because that's what you need to one day win a Super Bowl. I'll be looking back on this time as ah, remember when they were losing off? No, you won't. No, you won't, because Cleveland Brown's been saying that shit for 50 years. These teams that are that are perennial losers, you think their fans aren't aren't used to having high draft picks? We say we talk all this culture shit all the time. I, I want a team that's gonna win some of these close games. Rooting for losses when you already got your goddamn quarterback. Like, what kind of sense does that make? That's like that's like you already having. Uh, your, your, your star NBA player, the guy that you think going to change your franchise and take you to the promised land. And you're like, ah, you know what, though? Play shitty this year, okay? Be bad this year. Have an awful rookie year. And, and then maybe next year as well, right? Like, be bad next year, too, so we can get as many high draft picks as possible and put players around. You know, if that's the dude, what are we out here doing besides trying to win? And then as a fan base, like, you know, this fan base, you know, we haven't had a lot of quarterbacks to ever really admire. You know, the the best part is going on the Facebook uh, page for the, the place I work at, at NBC Sports Chicago, and seeing the reactions to Justin Fields' game today. Oh, my God. I've never seen the man called a running back so many times. You know, it's like, oh, just say it. Just say what you want to say. Like, stop being a bitch. Just say, say the word. <laughs> 
say what you want to say in the way that you want to say it. I got no problem with it because in the, in the end, you know, if this is his Mike Vick birth, you know, if this is his Lamar Jackson birth onto the national stage, right, then hell. Hopefully, you know, Cole Komet could be his Algie Crumpler or his Mark Andrews, right? And then you find out what, what you got on the perimeter. But I, I just don't understand this whole, <laughs> uh, I'm glad they lost the game. Yeah, that's your quarterback for the future. I, I don't want him to be piling up too many bad habits and losses. Like at some point, <laughs> you got to flip that switch and start to win these games. So what you're saying, in the fourth quarter, if he goes seven for 10 and they win the game, you're going to be upset? What kind of stupid bullshit is that? Like, think about it. Flip the script. If, if, if Justin Fields went crazy against the Lions with that piss-poor defense on the other side, if he would have went crazy, you as a Bears fan would have said to yourself, oh, man, I hate the fact that we're now sitting in the, the ninth draft slot instead of the seventh. What? What? What are we doing here? What's the what's the goal of this exercise as a fan if I'm not out here at some point hoping that this team will be good? And it's not just because of two or three draft slots. It's because the guy that they hired is supposed to be the man. Like, I go into all of these new things like, are you the man or not? Are you the dude or not? And, you know, when we're talking about the WNBA or other sports, are you the woman or not? Are you the lady or not? If Justin Fields has arrived as the man, then let him be the goddamn man. We'll find out if Ryan Poles is the man when the draft rolls around, whether they pick it at 10, 11, or at number four. Because you can bust out or you can hit a legend at either spot. In the end, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Baltimore Ravens, hell, right now with the Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes was, the what, the third quarterback taken in his draft, if I'm not mistaken? Okay. Tyreek Hill running crazy down there in Miami. I know, has some issues, still has some issues, right? But has some issues coming out of college. Tyreek Hill wasn't no top 10, top 15 pick. You can find talent in the NFL draft. But what are you doing in terms of building a, a culture, a supposed culture, on the way to finding that talent? Can't tell me if Justin Fields goes off in the fourth quarter. Y'all dumbasses will be running around here, out here talking about, man, I hate the fact that they won because now we get a lower draft pick as a fan base. What? It's the point of the whole exercise. Winning the Super Bowl at some point. There's a bunch of teams running around out here that have been waiting for the next draft pick year after year after year. Looking forward to the NFL draft. I can't wait till the NFL draft is you know, just a byproduct of the offseason for Bears fans. I can't wait till it's like, oh, okay, they, they drafted in the 20s. They might, they might replace, uh, you know, a linebacker, might get some depth. You know, it, hopefully if your cap is the way it's supposed to be, you're out here trying to overlap contracts and make sure that this guy is going to, make, you know, make this guy dispensable. That's how fans who are rooting for winning teams, that's how they operate. And hopefully sooner rather than later, that's how Bears fans will be able to operate. I just know that this tank stuff, when all these teams are trying to do it for C.J. Stroud and, and uh, you know, Will Levis and, 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 and Bryce Young, enjoy. Enjoy your tankathon. We're not a part of that class anymore as a fan base. We have a quarterback to root for. Go out there and draft. Go out there and draft at 9 to 10 and bring home a, a perennial pro bowler. That's what I'd like to see. Instead of having to wait to, 
you know, uh, six, seven, eight weeks of bad football out so you can go draft a third pick that, that he has to now grow with. He's going to have to grow with him anyway. So that's my two cents on this whole tank situation as fans. Like, well, we, we here to have fun, man. We, we here to enjoy the product. And I'm not here rooting for my team to lose in the fourth quarter of these football games. Coming up next on the Full Go Podcast, we hit it up with Megan Matamoro. She covers the Chicago Cubs for the Chicago Tribune like a blanket. We will talk about free agency with her and also we'll talk about watching games that you know are over very early. That and more coming up next. Cubs talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the Cubs have won the ball game. Can you believe it? Wow. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Hey, what up? How's it going? Ah, you know. <laughs> Another day in Bulls paradise. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> a rough <Boy>. one. <laughs> Megan, let me ask you this. You know, because you've been around a few rough ones over the last couple of years. You yeah. Your time covering the Chicago Cubs. What starts to go through your head in a game where you know there ain't shit this team could do to win this game? Like, like I, I, I want people, you know, we always give them the, the lowdown of, oh, this is what happened in the game, and this is how they need to improve. Or right. this is, But people don't ever really get the behind the scenes of the people who cover these games actually. Sometimes we're watching the same product that y'all turn off. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, usually, what, what usually, is it for you, Ed? Yeah, usually my mind goes to, oh my God, what am I going to write off of? <laughs> write about this trash game. Like, <laughs> like they clearly played terribly. Everyone knows it. And like, you know, you're so early in the season too still where it's kind of hard to write, write about too many big picture type things. So... Yeah. yeah, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're out here uh, saying the same things over and over again in the first two and a half, three weeks of this basketball season. But that's not why you call. The homie, Megan Montemoro, <laughs> is joining us here on the Full Go podcast. Meg, I jumped on the timeline, what was it, a couple of days ago after the GM meetings? And I saw some things where I'm like, okay, look at, look at the Chicago Cubs out here taking big swings, apparently, with some of these free agency targets, especially at the shortstop position. They've got a what is considered a top 10 farm system, They've got a, a whole bunch of money, apparently, that they're willing to spend. Before we get to the actual players involved in this situation and some of the things that might fit differently or what their plan of action is going to be here, do you think that? Any of this timeline was sped up by some of the fans' disappointment in their um, lack of either um, actually accepting to say rebuild or saying, hey, by the way, it's really beautiful around here now in Wrigleyville. What the hell is going on inside of the ballpark? Like, do you think it had anything to do with it or was this Jed Hoyer and uh, ownership's plan all along? Yeah, I think they've had a vision these last two years, really dating to midseason last year, once they got to that point where they fully committed to really tearing down that roster. And you saw all those trades, Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, you know, they really tore it down. Um, so I don't really think fan frustration or, you know, the vibe that's been around Wrigley this past year changes that at all. I mean, I think largely they're looking at, okay, how is the farm system developing? How are some of our 
top prospects or our highest ceiling players developing? Are they continuing on the projection that we envision? When do we think they can help us at the big league level? And now there's been some curveballs to that over the last few months. You have Brennan Davis with his back issues versus surgery. Then his Arizona Fall League uh, time was cut short because of a, a, a stress reaction in his back. Alexander Canario broke his left ankle, dislocated his left shoulder, needs surgery on both. So, I mean, those are two center field prospects that now you really you're, you can't really bank on them for next season. So I, I think they have a very clear vision, Jed Hoyer does, of where he wants this team to go. You saw it last year with the, the signings that they had with Say Suzuki, they signed a guy at 27 to a five-year deal. So he's ideally he's going to be still in his prime during a competitive window. Marcus Stroman was a three-year deal with an opt-out after the second year. So another short-term contract for an impactful pitcher in the short term. So I think they're still following the plan they want to. And even with these top-tier shortstops available on free in free agency, I don't think they're going to deviate too much from what they're willing to to spend on those guys, mainly in terms of years. I mean, it, it's pretty clear that they do not want these seven-year type deals, barring it being for a guy who's maybe 26 and a superstar type player, which these guys don't really fit. I would I would listen to that on Carlos Correa. But outside of that, you know, I think they're going to be sticking to their vision and finding players in terms that fit into that. All right, so let's go down the list. We've got Carlos Correa, we've got uh, Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson, and Xander Bogart. So the four names that a lot of Cubs fans are talking about right now. Uh, what are the drop-offs in terms of player? I know it's Carlos Correa, and then, you know, the drop-off, and then another sizable gap, and then another gap as well. But for you, where would you rank those four players? And then the probability or what you're hearing around Chicago Cubs buzzing free agency news. Yeah, I mean, so I think the top guy is Carlos Correa. Um, you know, he makes the most sense both in terms of what he's done in his career and he only turned 28 in late September. So, you know, he is still, he's the youngest of those options. You know, he can really do it all. He has shown, you know, what he can do on, on winning teams in Houston and, you know, coming off of his, what ended up being a one-year stint in, in Minnesota. You know, he really carried that team for most of the season, given some of those injuries. So, you know, he's the top guy. He's the guy that should get the longest multi-year deal, unless for some reason he, he follows the same path that he did with the Twins and, you know, signs, you know, a so-called long-term deal with early opt-outs. So he's top guy in the market. And then I think when you look at number two, it kind of depends on what you value more. Um, you know, if you're a guy that likes the Trey Turner profile, um, he only turned, he turned 29 in June. He's, he's a speedster guy short, you know, can, can give you what you want range wise at shortstop with that. And with his agility, um, he doesn't necessarily have as much home run power as some of these other guys, but he has the speed to hit doubles and be a gap hitter. Um, he can score a lot of runs if you're putting him at the top of the lineup. Um, so if you value kind of that profile, he, he could be your number two in that market. And then if you look at uh, Xander Bogarts, who, you know, he just turned 30 um, in October. So he's, he's not on the wrong side of 30 quite yet. Um, but he's a guy that, I mean, he has the track record. I mean, he's been in the big leagues for 10 years. Uh, he's won multiple Silver Slugger awards. 
Um, another guy that hits a ton of doubles. I mean, at a pretty insane clip. Um, he has some home run power too, that you want to see. Um, he compared to maybe some of those other guys, maybe you don't feel as comfortable leaving him at shortstop for as long-term as a Carlos Correa or a Trey Turner. Maybe you profile him at third base a couple years into that deal. So maybe that's a factor. Um, so I, I think it really kind of maybe about differs on how you value those two guys. So maybe two a two B for those two. And then of the, of the, of the rest of the mix, Dansby Swanson, you know, number four, I would put him just because he doesn't necessarily have the same level of track record um, as the other guys. He only has two seasons with an OPS plus over a hundred um, since 2017. So he doesn't necessarily have, um, you know, kind of the reliability that you can expect from some of those other guys. He did win a gold glove this year at shortstop. So, you know, you're getting pretty solid defense at a position that could have more defensive value with the shift, um, you know, being banned, you might want a guy that you feel like can, can handle a little bit more range depending on how you position guys. Um, so I think that's kind of how I would order them. And I think that's also kind of how you'll see the contract breakdown in terms of most money, most years, maybe on your way down. All right. So if Megan Montemore was, um, was betting on FanDuel Sportsbook in terms of odds, where would you rank highest odds or probability that this guy lands at shortstop for the Chicago Cubs four through one? This is tough. So because who I think makes sense for the Cubs might not be what they go for. Because while I do think they want to add one of these guys and, and they need impactful talent in their lineup, They've also, I think, made pretty clear over these last two years that they don't want to sign guys to six or seven year contracts. And it's hard. And I think guys like Carlos Correa and Trey Turner in particular are going to get those six or seven or more, depending on how the bidding war plays out, type deals. So if you're looking at it within those parameters, and I'm in the prove me wrong until, you know, unless they, unless they do it, I'm not going to be a believer that they're going to do a deal like that. So then that kind of narrows it for me to Bogarts and Dansby Swanson. And while Swanson's a little bit younger, maybe doesn't have as much mileage on him, maybe can stay at shortstop a little longer for me and what this lineup needs and something that Jed Hoyer has talked about a lot this past year and the need to add power and, you know, guys that can be, uh, run producers, which they've really, they really lacked. Um, so for me, I think Xander Bogarts is a really interesting fit for them, especially because, you know, you don't necessarily need him to play shortstop long-term. You've seen what Nico could do if needed. Um, and I think really it's more about finding the bat for them. Um, and you worry about long-term fit positionally down the line. But I see, I think Bogarts could be a guy since he's 30 years old. Maybe it only takes a, a five-year deal or six years in an opt-out, something where they're not committing so much money long-term. Um, so for me, I think Bogarts is, is interesting in that regard. Even if, even if skill set-wise, that might not be my first choice, I'm taking all of the factors, including contracts, into it. What's the latest on Wilson Contreras? Obviously, it feels like Wilson is going to go get his market value elsewhere, but uh, the, the evolution of that relationship and everything that we saw last year with the goodbye. Oh, wait a minute. You're still here. And Cubs fans not knowing when to say goodbye to a guy who uh, is a part of Cubs lore and Cubs history forever. Um, what, what, what do we know about Wilson and where he may land and 
uh, what the Cubs think. Yeah, I mean, it's expected he's going to turn down the qualifying offer. And that's not to say that, you know, the two sides are, are done. But I think for the for Contreras and the Cubs to reunite in the soft season, I think a lot of things would have to fall into place in terms of his market maybe not being what he envisions and the deal being enough for the Cubs, you know, willing to take him back on a shorter term deal. But I really think he's going to find a place elsewhere. You know, I think the Astros, even after that crazy trade got squashed at the last minute by, by ownership. I mean, that was a done deal to the point where the Cubs were moving on. Like they weren't, you know, they were telling teams like we've traded him. Um, So I think there's still, that's still a fit for, for Wilson. You look at maybe the Brewers or Cardinals. I think that would be either of those teams would be very interesting when, you think of um, how much Wilson has enjoyed playing against those two teams over the last, you know, six years, especially Milwaukee and and kind of the bad blood that's always been between them. But, you know, I do think because even with some of Wilson's defensive de- deficiencies, um, what he brings offensively and, and being able to rest him, get him some rest in the DH spot really kind of enhances his value as an offensive catcher, which you just don't see many of those in the league. Um, so I think it's going to be interesting where he ends up, but I do think there, there are going to be a few teams out there that, that makes sense for him. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think it'll be a surprise at this point if he comes back to Chicago. Speaking of guys who won't be back, Jason Hayward, um, you know, it's, it's been interesting to watch the Cubs career arc of Jason Hayward, where you, you mentioned, Carlos Correa and his age. And I remember, you know, because I was on the air when um, Jason Hayward was acquired by the Chicago Cubs, especially after that terrific run with the Cardinals at the end and his postseason run. And you don't get a guy like this on the free agency market at that age and they give him the big dollars and you already knew the glove, what the glove was and you hope that playing in Wrigley Field, the power numbers would kick up. And let's face it, I mean, he, he disappointed at the plate uh, for the majority of his time as a Cub. But then you go back to the rain delay speech and all the other things that he meant or gave to this team, whether they are overstated or not. um, He's a part, again, of Cubs history and Cubs lore. How would you characterize his time as a Chicago Cub? I mean, I think the biggest thing, especially maybe these last couple of years when there's been so much change is his mentorship leadership behind the scenes things that we don't always see um you know especially when when we didn't have clubhouse access during the pandemic or at least at the height of the pandemic and um you know i I don't think that stuff can be fully quantified but like you hear guys like nico horner ian happ talk about what it's been like watching him prepare every day how he's handled a lot of those lows he's experienced over the last few years and like those are things that are valuable that are hard to teach and it's hard to learn unless sometimes you see it or you go through it. And so I think just having his presence through those times that, you know, were certainly challenging and not what anybody expected when they signed him. Um, I don't think that kind of stuff can be diminished, not only for the teams the last few years, but the impact it can have on some of these guys, even after he's gone. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting to read some of the comments about Jason Hayward uh, at the end of this run here, and of course his time away from the team, and you know, pretty much being told, hey, you know, you can stay at the crib. We don't we don't need you right now for this uh, this last stretch run. So, uh, Cubs fans are excited. The division, uh, St. Louis Cardinals fans always feel they're going to win the division every single year. And I don't think the division is ran away from the Cubs. I mean, you got, what, $139 million payroll. Seems like they're going to add to that uh, excessively this offseason. Where is the division right now in terms of the Brewers, the Cardinals, the Cubs, teams that you got to worry about? Of course, the Reds and Pirates get thrown in there as well. But where, where is the division right now before these free agents start to move around? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is, is like until you take down the team that's been kind of owning the division, like they should be considered the favorites. So, I mean, I think you look at the Cardinals, they have Pete, when you have like a Nolan Arenado, you know, Paul Goldschmidt, when you have those kind of caliber players, I mean, that that's already a great starting point for team building. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, I, I think that's really important when you're looking at the division and then the brewers always seem to have been in it the last few years. They find a way to, to put together a compelling team. Now, you know, if, if, if I, I understand a lot of the Cubs fans frustrations lately of like, this is a winnable division. You're not in the NL East with, you know, two teams that are, you know, winning a hundred games in a season and another team in the Phillies that, you know, are have a, a payroll that's, you know, above the CBT. So, you know, it's a winnable time for the Cubs that even if they are rebuilding and retooling, that there is still an opportunity here to put together a postseason team. And so, you know, the Cubs say, like, we're going to be competitive next year. We're going to have a higher payroll, um, which is good. But, you know, are you adding the pieces that make you a better team? And so I think that's going to be interesting to see are you are you investing that money in quality or quantity um and so for the cubs to to really you know show what they can do over a full season you know you need that high quality talent which they just didn't have enough of last year so it's certainly a division where it should not run away from them next year if they do what they should be doing this offseason whether it's through trades or free agency um but really, their moves are going to be, I think, the biggest indicator of whether they can truly be considered like division contenders. It's one of my favorite sayings in life, not just sports, you know, quality over quantity. I, I'm I'm looking for the people who are like, you know what, just give me a whole bunch of averages. I don't need the quality. I just want more, right? Hell, I, I think we might be talking about our society as a yeah. whole when I just said that. Megan? It's going to be an interesting time. We will continue to read your stuff, the Chicago Tribune, and you will continue to keep us hip as to the movements of the Chicago Cubs. Thank you so much for joining us. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Megan Matamuro, right here on the Full Go Podcast. The Full Go with Jason Goff. That's all the time we have for episode 174 of the Full Go Podcast. And before you Sox fans jump down my throat about your free agency preview, it's not happening. It's not happening. We're not going to book anybody to talk Sox free agency because Rick Hahn has treated every every black kid knows the feeling of Sox fans uh, worldwide right now because Rick Hahn has done what every black mom has ever done to a black kid uh, concerning free agency. Free agency is the store. And Rick Hahn has walked into the store. But before he's walked into the store with the Sox fans being his children, he said, hey, when we get in this store, don't you ask for shit. 
<laughs> don't you touch shit because you ain't getting shit. <laughs> that, that, that's what the Sox free agency plan is. So we'll, we'll holler at y'all about the Sox free agency and Sox offseason here in this next uh, few days as well. So before the Sox fans get mad at me, Cubs didn't get a whole bunch of love down the stretch here at the Full Goal Podcast, and they didn't deserve it, but News is percolating. That's why we did it. We want to thank Megan Matamuro from the Chicago Tribune for joining us. We also want to thank our production staff. As always, the uh, the shadowy figure that is known as Papa Steve Cerruti, the active Jesse Lopez, and my main man, Tony Gill. We did not have voicemails for you because uh, we just didn't have them. But if you want to jump into the voicemail line, 773-359-3103 is the phone number. 773-359-3103. Maybe you've got uh, some you know, morning afterthoughts about the Bears game against the Lions. Maybe you think I'm an idiot and you want to just chime in. Uh, whatever you need to do, the voicemail line is right there for you. Uh, that's it. Yeah. Thank you for downloading this thing. Thank you for subscribing to this thing. Thank you for rating and reviewing it. Thank you for sharing it with your family and friends. Before we do get out of here, I, I want to wish a speedy recovery to all of the kids, staff, and people who were affected uh, on the St. Ignatius hockey team, uh, local high school here for the people who are listening outside of the Chicagoland area. Uh, St. Ignatius hockey team, their bus got like, T-boned by a semi-truck. Uh, and apparently, you know, there was some things going on with this truck driver. Uh, bus flipped over. Kids had to have surgery. Like, there's... Is we're still getting updates on what's going on with this crew. So uh, for all the parents and supporters of St. Ignatius Hockey, we are out here thinking about you. Um, you know, my, my, my guy, Kendall Gill, he's got, you know, he's got a little one that goes there. Obviously, Phoenix Gill, uh, shout out to Phoenix. They're getting ready to have a monster season. But we're thinking about you here uh, on the Full Go Podcast, St. Ignatius Hockey. So uh, get well soon to everybody affected by that situation and we'll keep you updated. So for the fellas, uh, I'm Jason Goff. Thank you so much for uh, hanging out with us. Uh, As always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other and be safe. We'll talk to you on Tuesday.